following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Well, so grateful that you're here today. Good to see you, church. Um, If you're here, glad that you're here. If you're at our pilot campus or watching online, we love you guys. Thank you for joining us. We are kicking off a new series today called So Will I. Glad that you joined us today. We're going to continue into this series next week. And so we'd love to see you back here. And so we're just going to jump right into our Bible study portion this morning. And I want to start by sharing an experience that happened to me a couple weeks ago. I went to see a movie at the movie theater Um, A much-anticipated movie, a little film called Avengers Endgame. Anyone seen that movie? A couple of you? Um, And so I had been excited to see that movie. But man, going to see a movie like that, that is like a whole deal, okay? Like that movie is over like three hours long, okay? You have to watch like 20 other movies to understand what's happening in that one movie, okay? And so like I I didn't just kind of saunter into the movie theater. Like I had to have a strategy, like a plan, okay? So first things first, popcorn, rookie mistake. You gotta skip over the popcorn because here's what happens. The more popcorn you eat, the more soda you drink, the more trips to the bathroom you take during the movie. You, You tracking with me, okay? Leave the popcorn aside. Skip the popcorn. I did all my hydration beforehand, okay? And then I had a friend tell me there's one point, I mean, that's a three-hour movie, and so there's a friend that told me there's one particular point, told me what to watch for. That is the safe moment to run for all you're worth to go to the bathroom, okay? So I waited for that one moment, okay, because again, I'm not not touching the popcorn. I don't want to have to go up up and down like the entire time. Not to mention the other reason you don't want popcorn is it costs about $400 at the movie theater now. And I'm fairly certain the butter topping can kill someone, okay? So just be warned. All right. So I sat there. The other thing you got to figure out is now at the movie theater, like, I'm used to, like, the theater where, like, the seat just kind of, like, pops down like this. But now they have, like, this space-age Jetsons recliner with, like, a button. Have you seen these things? And so, like, now you have, like, a decision to make because if, like, I'm too far back, I'm going to fall asleep, okay? So I've got to find the right angle of of reclining to watch this movie. And so it was this whole, like, strategy, and I had a really great experience. It was a great movie, but I, I had a plan. And it got me thinking. I did all that for, like, an experience I have. You know, every so often I'll go see a movie. But I was thinking about this experience that we have together. And if, if this is your church home then you're here every weekend. I mean, that's a priority for us. This is our church home. We, we, it's a part of our family rhythm. We come together and we have an experience, but it's not an entertainment experience. It's a worship experience. And the stakes are far higher because like an entertainment experience, like, yeah, I like the movie. I didn't like the movie. Okay, that, that's it. I had a good time, didn't have a good time. But here, I mean, we're coming together to worship like the one who invented everything and is managing the whole universe, I mean, the things we do here, it can be life-altering. Like when we come into the presence of God, I mean, that affects, it can affect every other segment of our life. I mean, it actually, like what we do here can be eternity-shifting. And so it made me wonder, like I have all this like plan for how I watch a movie, like do we know how to enter into this experience each week 
to know how to get, you know, what, what this is, ring this part out, to get what this experience is for. Do we know the purpose? Do we know how to enter into this space? Because there's actually quite a bit at stake for what we could get in our, into our lives from this time. And so if you're part of West Pines, if this is your church home, you're here every single weekend with your family, then, then that's an important question to answer because that is a big investment every weekend that you're here. Like, how do we make the most of this time? But some of you may identify with a different description. Maybe say, look, I, I am, you know, I love God. I, I go to church every now and then. You know, I need that kind of shot in the arm. I need to be uplifted a little bit. And so, you know, I, I occasionally go to church. And so if that's where you're coming from, that's what you identify with. I'm so glad that you're here or that you're watching online. But if that's where you're at, then especially you want to hear what this passage we're going to look at says about what's the purpose of, of this and how to get the most out of it. But there's another segment. Some of you may be here and may say, look, okay, I, I love God. I believe in God. You may even say, I believe in Jesus. But you might say, you know, when it comes to like organized corporate religion, I, I just don't know. I'm not sure I understand it. I'm not sure I want to be a part of it. And if, especially if that's where you're at as you're, as you're entering into this experience today, then especially I want you to hear what this is, what's the purpose of this? Because it's not just to perpetuate some ritual. There's something that's supposed to happen here. And so I want to look at a part of the Bible. It's called uh, Psalms. We're going to look at a chapter today. If you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and open to Psalms. We're going to look at chapter 148, Psalm 148. There are 150 psalms total, so we're right here at the end. In fact, we're going to spend the next three weeks walking through the final three psalms. So 148 this week, 149 next week, and 150 the week after that. But I want you to see what Psalm 148 says, because it's fascinating. 148, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Now let's camp out on these first two verses for a second. You may hear that and say, yep, that pretty much sounds like every other psalm that I've heard. Just telling things to praise God. It's talking about there should be praises in the heavens. Um, but there's some interesting things in here. So for starters, I want you to look at the very first phrase, three English words in our translation, three English words, praise the Lord. That's actually three English words translating one Hebrew word. The Hebrew word takes the word for praise and the word for Lord and smushes it into one single word. The word is hallelujah. Maybe you've heard that before. We just actually sang it this morning. We sang the word hallelujah. And maybe you've said, look, I don't really know. Like, I know people say that. It seems like this churchy word. Like, what does that mean? Is it just made up? Hallelujah is a preservation of the Hebrew. When you say hallelujah, you're saying a Hebrew word. It means praise the Lord. That's what it means. In fact, the, the Psalms we're looking at, these last three Psalms, are part of a set of five psalms at the very end of the book of Psalms, sometimes called the Psalter. These last five psalms are called the Hallelujah Psalms. The first word of each of these psalms is Hallelujah. The last word of each of these psalms is Hallelujah. That's part of their artistry. The word Hallelujah is really beautiful and powerful. 
and we incorporate it even in the modern day into our worship music for a very specific reason. When we say that, we're saying an ancient Hebrew word and it, it connects us to the ancient dynamic of humanity praising the Lord. It's a reminder that we are coming from a long line of God's people that faithfully declare praise to God. When you say, think of it like this. Today, when we sang, we sang a word that was the same word that was sung in the temple in ancient Jerusalem. It anchors us to the ancient reality of our call to praise God. The psalm begins with hallelujah. Then it moves down and it keeps saying praise the Lord. And it keeps saying this word praise to a specific group. It talks about heaven and it starts by praise God. Praise the Lord, all you in the heavens. Praise him, all you angels. Praise him, all you heavenly hosts. And it's talking to those, the creatures of heaven, the ones that God made in heaven, commanding them to praise the Lord. So a couple things I want you to see. First of all, this word praise, I want you to see, it's a command. It's not a, hey, you know what's fun? Hey, you know what's a good idea? Or hey, you know what would be a nice thing to do? It's a command to those in heaven to praise the Lord. It's a command. That's the actual grammatical tense is called imperative. It is a command. And this word praise, what do we mean by praise? It's very intuitive. You you know what praise means. Praise is when you intentionally speak the good, glorious attributes about someone. It could be a person, it could be a thing, it could be a being, it could be God. It's where you're intentionally, you're praising them, so you're, you're exposing the things that are worth uh, drawing attention to, the good parts about someone. It's not flattery. It's exposing the things that are worth highlighting. Okay, so here's the command here is um, to praise. It's offering this praise, and really, if it's a command, then that means offering this praise is a gift Now, how does a gift work? If it's a command, what's the dynamic here? It's important that we understand this. You can give a gift that brings no joy to the recipient, right? But brings joy to you. That's not a good gift. Let me give you an example. Um, Around Mother's Day and Father's Day, Rebecca and I take our kids, and uh, one of us, if it's like near Mother's Day, I'll take the kids and I'll take them to like a little dollar store, and I'll have this whole long conversation. Okay, you're going to pick out something to give to mommy for Mother's Day because we're honoring mommy this year. And so we're, we're, this is the time of year we honor mommy. So each of you, I want you to pick out something for mommy. But remember, this is not something for you. So it's something for her. So think about something you think she would like. And so we get out of the car. We get into the dollar store. And I release them to go find something for mommy. And inevitably, every time, what they bring back to me is hilarious. Because it's something like this. My, my son will come up and be like, Dad, I found it, a monster truck. I'll say, hmm, that's good, buddy. Okay, a monster truck. Um, does mommy have a lot of monster trucks? No, that's why we need to give her one. No, okay, all right. You know, that's good for this year. We'll try again next year. Now, probably what's happening in my son's little mind is he's thinking, I like monster trucks. Mommy will like monster trucks, but there's probably another dynamic happening. He's calculating and planning in his mind, if I bring a monster truck into this house, I will get to play with this monster truck, okay? 
Because you can give a gift that's for your enjoyment and is not really enjoyable to that person. It'd be like Rebecca's birthday coming around and I say, hey babe, I, I, really, I really did it this year. I, I got you just what you wanted. Here's season tickets to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Happy birthday. You're welcome. Fun for the whole family all fall. Well, you're welcome. Here you go. That really is a gift more for me than it is for her. You can give a gift that brings you joy and that person not so much joy. Not a good gift. Can we agree with that? Okay. But the inverse can happen. You can give a gift that brings that person a lot of joy, but you have no joy in giving that gift. That's also not a good gift. Imagine you show up on Valentine's Day, walk in the door, here's your flowers, throw it on the table. You wouldn't believe they rip you off at Valentine's Day. That was $25 for a plant that's already dying. Happy Valentine's Day. It's a rough start to a romantic evening right there, okay? If it's a chore, that's not a good gift. So if I give something to you that I enjoy and you don't, not a good gift. If I give something to you that you enjoy but I don't enjoy giving it to you, also not a good gift. The dynamic we're looking for is I am enjoying bringing you joy, right? That's the dynamic of a gift. There's a command on the angels to praise. What's the dynamic that they're looking for? Is praise for them? No, it's for God. It's a gift to him. It's an offering to him. It, are they, should they just do it? Well, I'm commanded, so let me do it as a chore. No, the dynamic is they find joy bringing him joy. They're delighting in bringing him delight. That's the dynamic. The command, it starts off in the psalm to the angels. Now, that's not something we're surprised to hear. Like, we know. I mean, whatever it is that they do up there in heaven, like, it's probably singing and praising God. So that's not like a huge surprise that there's a command to angels to do that. In fact, there's actually parts of the Bible that describes what that looks like. There are angels that stand by the throne of God and every moment, every minute, every single day, every hour, month, year, every era, every, constantly, they're just standing by the throne of God praising him. Now you say, okay, that's a powerful concept, but honestly, gosh, that's got to get, like, that'd be a tough job. Like, that seems like that'd get, like, a little monotonous after a while. Like, I'd kind of get old. Like, I, you know, I'm all about some good praise, but every single second for eternity, like, that sounds like that'd be tough. And we feel that because we cannot fathom what it might be like to stand in the presence of Almighty God. There's one um, particular trip that Rebecca and I took, just the two of us once, and we both would say it's probably like the most wonderful trip, most romantic trip we ever went on, just the two of us. And, and we stayed in this place, uh, it was right on the, on the ocean, and it was facing west, and it had this balcony, and we would just, every night, we sat out on the balcony, and every night, we just watched the sunset, just every night. It was mesmerizing, it was amazing. And it, like, you can just sit there and just watch in silence because every second, like every new cloud formation, just casting a new nuance to the colors splashed across the sky and then reflected in the ocean, just like a perpetual 
kaleidoscope of colors that no artist could possibly have brought together with more beauty than what's being painted across the sky. And, and every night was different. One night it was just this vivid, radiant, you could barely look at it. Other nights it was more subtle and nuanced, but every night a masterpiece. And that was just one, one just sunset that we would look at from one vantage point on the planet. God is working billions of sunsets perpetually. You know, like the, there's a masterpiece sunset happening right now somewhere on this planet. And standing in the presence of God, we're standing at the source of all that is beautiful, glorious, awesome, powerful, incredible, just stunning, imaginative, inventive. It, we're standing before it perpetually in that just mind-numbing moment. Like we can't fathom. We just get a glimpse of seeing a reflection of the sunset maker in our lives. We, we can't imagine what it would be like to just have the perpetual sensory overload of standing before the source of creation. The command is to the angels and to, the, to heaven to praise God. But then the psalmist breaks out of heaven and enters into our universe. Look what he says. Let's pick it up in verse 3. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. He starts in the heavens, he commands all the host, all the angels to praise the Lord. Then he moves into our universe and he looks at outer space, the, from heaven to the heavens, to all of the galaxies and solar systems and stars and nebula and black holes and comets and planets. He looks at all of the constellations, he looks at all of space and he commands the celestial bodies to praise the Lord. Now how does that work? Because... It's one thing for angels. I mean, angels can actually like respond to the command and praise. Like how would a planet, like how does Saturn or the sun or a comet, how do they obey this command? Well, it's revealing something interesting. Did you notice what it said? He says, praise the Lord for because you were created by his decree, he spoke you into existence. He's the source. He's the reason you exist. And so that reveals something about your function. When he says, praise the Lord to the stars and all that we look up and see in the sky, he's, he's commanding them to fulfill their primary function. They exist to bring glory to God. Now, we kind of understand this dynamic because uh, we understand about creating things. Have you ever had the experience, maybe you've had this experience, where you made something or said something or thought of something and someone stole your idea and got credit for it? Anyone ever had that? 
You guys ever had that happen before? And you feel a sting of injustice, right? Okay, I'm going to tell you a, a story, okay? This is a, a true story, so, so brace yourself, okay? When I was in fourth grade, I was in art class, and I was coloring a picture. And this other boy in my class stole my picture. His name was Dustin. And he showed it to the teacher. She thought it was his. And I had to color an entire new picture. Can you believe that? Dustin, if you're watching this right now, <laughs> I've never forgotten, okay? I mean, there's a sting of injustice, okay? No one has to teach a child that if they make something and someone else takes credit for it, okay, no one has to teach a child that that's not fair. So um, I knew that that was wrong well before I knew about copyright laws. In fact, had I known, I would have contacted my attorney, okay? Like, we've come up with laws to reflect something that we as humanity intuitively know to be just. Why? Because we're creatures, uniquely wired to create. Something fundamental to the universe, you can't escape it. It's wired into who you are and who I am. You can't escape this intuition. What's created belongs to the creator. If it's made by a creator, it belongs to that creator, and that creation must and is bound to the purpose for which it was made for. The, the creator determines the function of the creation. And what this passage is saying is it's looking over all the universe and all the solar systems and, and the galaxies, and it's saying you will praise the Lord. It's a command. In other words, fulfill your function of existence by bringing glory to God. He continues this on. He doesn't just go into outer space. He comes into, into our earth. Look what he says. Let's pick it up in verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. He enters into this planet and he says, all of you creatures, everything made, there's a command on your existence. Fulfill your purpose and bring glory to God. So like we might look on the animal kingdom and look at this planet and, and even within our church, there may be a diversity of opinions as to how all of this happened scientifically, okay? Some here may say, look, I believe that, that things evolved. Others say, well, I believe that there was some small evolution within species, but not from one species to the next. We may have a diversity of opinion on all of that, but there's one thing that we all must agree together. If it's in existence, God did it. He made it. There's nothing that pops up in the universe and, and he's like, whoa, I was not expecting that. Like, where'd that come from? Cool. It's all his, intentionally, making every single thing. He did it. And because he's the creator, he has 
copyrights over it. He has rights over every single creature. He wires it for a purpose. And in all parts of creation, Mount Everest, it has a purpose. God defined it. The Alps, the Andes, the Rockies, the Grand Canyon, the mighty Mississippi, the Great Plains, the Sahara Desert, the Pacific Ocean, the Indian Ocean, the, the Arctic, Antarctica. It all has a specific function to bring glory to God. The panther that lurks in the Everglades, the bear in the forest, the birds that no one will ever hear ever in its entire lifespan deep in the jungle sings for a purpose, to bring glory to God. There is no creeping thing under some rock that no one's even discovered that does not have a purpose. Here's what that means. Today, you're going to drive home, and along one of these roads, inevitably, there's going to be a median, and there's going to be palm trees in that median. And about halfway down, there's going to be one particular palm tree that you've driven by hundreds of times, and you've never even thought of it. But that palm tree exists for a purpose. It waves its branches to bring God glory. That palm tree is not spiritually neutral. It belongs to God, and its existence brings glory to God. When you were a child, one day you picked up a stone and you threw it into a lake to see how far you could get it. Or maybe you skipped it across the surface of that lake and it sunk to the bottom and might still be there to this day. And maybe you did that 200 times in your, in your childhood. Rock number 57 that you can't even remember has a purpose. It exists for a reason. It's not spiritually neutral. It was made by creator God and it's the function and purpose of that rock is to bring glory to God. This is commanding every part of earth to fulfill its function and bring glory to God. Every part of the universe to fulfill its function and bring glory to God. All creatures in heaven to fulfill their purpose and bring glory to God. But of all of creation, of all creation, is there any that do not have that function? I mean, listen to what Revelation 4 says. Revelation 4 Verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by, you, by your will they exist and were created. God is worthy of the praise of all creation because he invented it. But of all creation, there's one tiny little piece that he made a little bit different. There's this one little part of his creation that he specifically made just a little different. Same purpose and function, but he made it just a little bit different. And the psalmist saves this part of creation as the crescendo of the psalm. Look how the psalm finishes up. Verse 11. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes, 
and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. He saves one last piece of creation for the very end. This one little part of creation that he made a little bit different. These little creatures in one of the galaxies, in one small solar system on this tiny planet, there's these little creatures that he made just a little bit different. How are they different? Are they bigger than the rest of creation? No, not by a long shot. Are they more powerful than the rest of creation? No, not by a long shot. Are they more impressive than the rest of creation? No, not by a long shot. He made humans just a little bit different. He made them in his image so that now they have the will, the choice to bring praise to him. All of creation, rocks and trees and forests and oceans and planets and stars and comets and galaxies, all of creation gives glory to God perpetually. The sun rages in its fury for God's glory. It is his and it is worshiping and glorying God by giving, by, by fulfilling its existence. All the rest of creation does it without the capacity to intentionally will it, but he made one small facet of his creation, the crown of his creation, to set the tone to lead the way of the rest of the creation, created universe to lead the way to willfully praise the Lord. But there's a great sabotage in this universe. The greatest travesty, potentially the greatest tragedy conceivable. Towards the end of Jesus' ministry here on earth, there's one moment when the crowds almost got it. I mean, he was famous. His teachings were viral. They all knew his, his miracles. They all talked about him. There's whispering and wondering about who he was. A prophet, the Messiah, who, who could he be? The deliverer, the redeemer, who, who could he be? And they were all like back and forth, couldn't decide, following him one minute, walking away the next. But there was one moment when the crowds almost got it. A few days before Jesus was nailed to a cross, he was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds were at a fever pitch and they were praising Jesus. And they had taken palm branches down and they're waving the palm branches before him and they're taking their coats off and putting them down for his donkey to go over on top of this, the stone pathway down into Jerusalem and they're praising him. They're saying this Hebrew word, Hosanna. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He surely is the Messiah who, is, who has come to us to save us and they're, they're cheering and they're praising him and, and there's this one moment where it just seemed like they understood who it was that was in their midst and you know what happened? The religious leaders, the religious elites, 
They rebuked Jesus, it says. They said, are you going to let them praise you, Jesus? I mean, can you just think about that with me? The religious leaders had the audacity to rebuke God himself for creation doing what it was made to do for him. Praise and bring glory to him. And you know what Jesus said? Luke 19, 40, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Can you just imagine with me what might have happened if just for five minutes God spoke down into this planet and just for five minutes gave all of the rocks and stones on this planet what they're groaning for and waiting for in that great day when Jesus returns. They're groaning and waiting for the moment that they can release their full Full praise to God. Can you imagine if just for a five minutes he animated the rocks, letting them do what they were designed with the function to do to give glory to God. And all of a sudden you have pebbles on the side of the road quaking and you have cobblestones under their feet clapping their hands together and all of a sudden this groan of the slabs of granite holding Mount Zion up as it starts to move together and the very carved stones of the temple all of a sudden break into a roar proclaiming who their master is. Can you imagine that moment? Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying the rocks are not confused who their master is. Are you? He's saying the very stones you walk across have no confusion what their very function and purpose on this planet is. It is to bring glory to God. The rocks are not confused. Are you? There's a great sabotage in this universe. The crown of his creation, human beings, wired in his image to willfully lead the way and bring him glory by choosing to praise his name are led astray and do the unthinkable. I mean, think about it. If the very purpose of creation is to bring glory to God, I mean, think of what, the, what it would mean if we forgot to praise God. If we went seconds, minutes, days, weeks, months, years, maybe decades and forgot to, to speak or sing or pray words of praise to the one to whom it's due. I mean, if we don't do that, you know what that is? That's functional atheism. Or worse, if our purpose is to bring glory to God, if that's our purpose, because we're created, if we use our life and think the purpose is to bring glory to ourselves, that's not atheism. That's autotheism. Deifying ourselves as the recipients of glory. Isn't that the ancient satanic sabotage. Satan, an angel 
in the presence of God, it says in Isaiah, wanted to make himself glorious like God. Instead of bringing glory to God, wanted to make himself glorious, and he fell, and then slithered his way into the Garden of Eden. And what did he say? He said, are you sure you're not allowed to eat that fruit? Well, of course not, we'll die. You will not surely die. You will be like God. There's a great sabotage. Trying to keep humanity of all parts of his creation from fulfilling our very function to bring praise and glory to God. That is our purpose. You know, we uh, gather here week after week and there's a section of our time together where we sing. Why do we sing? It's not just the warm-up. It's not the previews before the main event. We sing because it is, the, it is, it's first of all commanded that we do. It's obedience. But we sing because it's an expression of our most primal function. It's central to our mission and calling as humans to sing, to find joy in bringing joy to God. That's our function. The rest of creation understands that. Do we understand that? The rest of creation does that through their existence without the will to do it. We've been blessed with the will and it's the greatest tragedy if then we deny our very function of bringing praise to God with all of our lives. When we come together to sing in worship, there's something so powerful that we're doing. Fulfilling our function in bringing glory to God. Delighting in bringing delight to our creator. So then why, why do we not sing? Well, I, you know, I just... I like a different style of music. You know, like, there are other styles that I like and that I, I, I'd sing to. It, it's not for you. The gift is not for you. It's for him. Well, I mean, there's a certain songs that I like, and I'll sing if you sing those songs, and if it's, and if it's a way I can sing it with the instruments that I like, at the volume I like, there's certain songs that, that I'll sing if, if it's the right songs. It's not for you. Well, you know, I, I, I hear you, but, you know, it's like, I, I'm just, sometimes I'm just not in the mood to sing. It's not for you. It's for him. Well, okay, here's the real thing. I'll just shoot straight. You don't want to hear me sing, okay? I'm just, I'm just not a good singer at all. No one, I don't think God wants to hear that song, okay? I mean, no one wants to hear that. Do, do you think, is, is it like a singing competition? I mean... It's not a competition. If it's a competition, do you understand who we're competing against? The angels. We lose that competition down here on earth, okay? God's not up in heaven like all of a sudden like, whoa, row two, that's impressive over there, okay? I wasn't expecting that. Row four, maybe you sit this one out, okay, buddy? Just, you know, maybe you don't sing a little bit. That's not the dynamic. We're offering like a child the best we have to God, because we're fulfilling our ancient function. You understand the power when we sing. We're fulfilling who we were made to be. 
In fact, here's the thing. Some of you are here. You're part of that group of, of people that you might be here and you might say, look, I'm just, I'm, I, I think I'm almost there to take that step and follow Jesus. Like I'm almost there, but I'm just not 100% sure if I'm going to take that step. Like I understand that, that he was God in the flesh and died on the cross and he pays for my sins and rose again from the dead. Like I, I believe that. I'm just not sure if I'm going to take that step. I just have questions. When you take that step, here's what you're doing. You are taking a step into living an entire life of worship. That's what it is, that every part of your life may be worshiped to God. And so in fact, in, in a little bit, we're gonna sing a song, and that may be your moment where you say, I'm in, and I'm gonna start, begin this journey by singing in worship to him. Why do we sing? Let me just remind you, as we're drawing things to a close, let me read this passage here. Can I remind you of what everything looks like in the end when it all gets resolved, like the big resolution and redemption for humanity? Do you know what it looks like, how it's described one day in heaven? Here's Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Church, do you know why we sing? We come to sing because is he not worthy? Is he not worthy the one who astounds us with his creation? He leaves us speechless with his sunsets and his creatures and his mountain ranges and his canyons and his oceans and his galaxies. Is he not worthy of our praise? Why do we sing? Because we're tapping in to the great ancient function of who we are. We're, we're tapping into the most primal thing we are called to do, our mission in life, to bring praise and glory to Him. We, why do we sing? Because it brings joy. To bring joy to the one who invented joy and brings delight to all the universe. Why do we sing, church? Because we get just a, a hint, just a taste, just a, a, a whiff of what it will be like one day to stand in the presence of Almighty God, the source of all that is glorious and all that is beautiful. Why do we sing? Because He's not just worthy of our song. This, this un, unimaginably immense, unfathomably wise and incredibly almighty, most holy God, He raised up a horn of salvation on our behalf. We sing because the Almighty One entered into His creation. He put on flesh. And even though we mocked Him and we slapped Him and we tortured Him and we killed Him and rejected Him and turned our backs towards Him, He willingly took our stripes, took our death. He poured out His blood and He took our shame and guilt. The Holy One took our shame and guilt on Himself and absorbed the wrath we deserved. 
Why do we sing? Because he rose again from the dead. Of course he did. Of course he defeated death because he invented life itself. Why do we sing church? Why do we sing Christian? Why do we sing human? Because when we sing, it is our rebellion against the prince of this world because we know who the king of the universe is. We sing in defiance as our revolt with our fists in the sky against the powers of darkness because we know who the light of the world is. That's why we sing. May it never be said of us that we succumbed to the greatest tragedy that we did not lead all of creation in proclaiming his glory. Holy God, we're humbled in your presence. How do we get to stand before you? We're humbled in your presence and we repent of our, the unimaginable, indefensible, praiselessness. We repent. We confess that when we gather together, it doesn't matter how we feel, it's for you and we will never again be a people who do not know our function and our purpose. We will be a people that raise our voices and bring you glory until you return. Thank you for calling us to this mighty purpose. May you delight in how we fulfill this purpose as part of your creation. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.